Chapter Four of Whispering Tongues by Homer Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Donald Cummings. Chapter Four: The Quarrel of Friends. Parmenter, fresh from his extorted confession of hazing, went back across the campus with his mind in a tumult. Half a dozen students spoke to him on the way, but he did not answer them. He could see nothing but Professor Lee's white, strong face. He could hear nothing but his terrible words of condemnation. What right had this man to denounce him as brutal and unmanly? Would he have dared to do so if he had known how deeply his own son was involved in the mischief? It was plain that Charlie had not told his father of the hazing. Van Loan must then have broken faith. But for the time all of Parmenter's anger was centered not on Van Loan, who had betrayed him, but on Professor Lee, who had denounced him. Every moment some new recollection of the scene in President Mather's study added fuel to the flame of his resentment. His indignation was so great that it had not yet even occurred to him what punishment he should receive for his offense, or whether he should receive any. He went up the section stairs blinded with passion, ready to strike out savagely at anything and everything that pertained in any way to Professor Lee. When he entered his room he found Charlie Lee seated at his table. Certainly no meeting could have been more opportune for trouble. "'I've been waiting for you,' Charlie said quietly. "'I've just heard that absurd story about Father's opposition to your appointment to the prize stage.' Parmenter went in and sat down. It was apparent that Charlie did not know what had just happened, and Parmenter was not quite ready to tell him. He replied with forced coolness, "'It seems to me that you're a little late in gathering news, aren't you?' "'Why, yes, I suppose so,' answered Lee. "'I might have known of it days ago, if I'd been bright enough to take the hints I've had, and catch the meaning of the remarks I've overheard. But I didn't dream of such a thing.' "'Oh, didn't you? Well, what do you think of it?' now that you have heard it. Parmenter was exasperatingly cool in manner and tone. I don't know what to think of it, said Charlie. It has taken me so by surprise. I don't know whether it has any foundation in fact or not. At any rate, any suggestion that father could have had any other object in view than to sustain his well-known opposition to physical violence, of course you won't believe. He surely has nothing against you personally. No perhaps not. But can you explain to me why it was, then, that he chose me as the subject of his criticism and opposition? It occurs to me, for instance, that you were about as active in the rush as anyone, but I have not heard that any objections were raised to your going on the prize stage. Lee's face turned red and then pale. Parmenter's speech cut deeply, but he kept his temper. After a moment he said, I don't think father intends to be unfair to anyone, nor partial to anyone, especially to me. And I repeat that he has nothing against you personally. I've heard him speak of you in the highest terms. And I, responded Parmenter deliberately, have heard him speak of me in the lowest terms. Fred, what do you mean? Just as I say. Within half an hour he has charged me with being brutal and criminal to the last degree. There must be some mistake, stammered Lee, some misunderstanding. Certainly he— None at all, interrupted Parmenter, rising from his chair and walking the floor savagely. He did it knowingly, deliberately, 
cruelly in the presence of the entire faculty. A light dawned suddenly upon Lee's mind. Was it about the hazing? he asked. Of course about the hazing. He had nothing else to bully me for. It was his last chance to put me down and clear the way for others. The fire that had been smoldering in Parmenter's breast was beginning to break out uncontrollably. Lee's face turned pale again. He was making an effort to hold himself in check. "'Don't be unjust, Fred,' he said quietly. "'You know that opposition to hazing is father's hobby, if he has one, and you should make allowance for what he says in his excitement. But if you mean to insinuate that father is trying to push me up at your expense, I want you—' "'I mean to insinuate nothing,' interrupted Parmenter hotly. "'I say plainly that there seems to be a powerful effort in some quarters to make me the scapegoat for the sins of the whole class.' "'Fred, you are beside yourself.' "'It wouldn't be strange if I were. But what I am saying is the truth. Who else was criticized and harassed for taking part in the rush? Tell me of another man. Who else is summoned before the faculty for hazing Van Loan, and browbeaten, abused, and insulted? Are you, for instance? Tell me. Had you less to do with that affair than I? Yet you can walk around in an atmosphere of innocence and honor, unharmed and unsuspected, while well, I, poor fool, must play the part of sacrificial lamb. Parmenter's face was white with passion. He strode up and down the floor like a madman. Fred, be careful. Lee's voice had a ring of danger in it now. If Van Loan has betrayed you, do not charge it up to me and mine. Oh, it was Van Loan, was it? I had my doubts whether I was indebted to Van Loan or you for that disclosure. This was cruel. Besides, it was false, and Parmenter knew it, but his rage was running away with his conscience and his tongue. "'Take that back, Fred,' said Lee. "'You know it's not true, and I won't stand it.' "'I take nothing back,' shouted Parmenter angrily. "'Do you hear me? Nothing.' "'Then you are a coward and an ingrate, and I shall not stay to quarrel with you.' "'And I shall not attempt to detain you. Good morning, sir.' The next moment Lee was gone, and the friendship that had grown close and sweet between these young men through two years of college life had become a shattered and pitiful wreck. Charlie went down the section stairs and out on the campus, dazed and shocked. It was the cruelest blow his life had ever known. He would never have dreamed that Parmenter could say such things to him, or he such things to Parmenter. He passed on across the campus with such a burden of sorrow and anger on his mind that he took no note where his steps were tending. He looked up finally and found himself in front of President Mather's door. By some connection of ideas, a new thought flashed into his mind. He stopped to consider it. Why not? he asked himself. Why not? It is right. It is just. There is no reason why one should suffer and not both. I will do it, and do it now while I have the strength, and then he cannot taunt me with going free while he suffers alone. Charlie walked rapidly up the steps and across the hall, and knocked at the President's door. He was bidden to enter. The members of the faculty were still in the room, discussing Parmenter's case. They looked up at Lee in curiosity and surprise. He advanced toward the President and said, Dr. Mather, I desire to say that I took part in the hazing of Freshman Van Loan in April. The professors and tutors stared at him in open-eyed astonishment. 
you did mr lee said the president interrogatively and whatever punishment continued charlie anyone else receives for that offence i should receive the same the president leaned forward in his chair we thank you mr lee he said for coming to us with this voluntary statement is there anything else you wish to say about the matter any explanation no nothing except turning for a moment toward his father who sat dumb with amazement and grief except that i am very sorry indeed especially on father's account then his lips trembled his eyes filled with tears he turned to leave the room and would have stumbled and fallen had not tudor delavan taken him kindly by the arm and led him away it soon became known among the students that parmenter and lee had been before the faculty in connection with the van loan case the matter was discussed freely at the dinner tables on the campus and in the sections and opinions were many and varied as to the form and severity of the punishment that would be meted out to the offenders that evening as parmenter sat alone in his room tudor delavan came in with a letter for him he delivered it with a few courteous words and retired as quietly as he had come parmenter opened the letter and read it it ran as follows concord college may fifth mr alfred b parmenter dear sir the president and members of the faculty have taken into consideration your acknowledged connection with the hazing of benjamin e van loan on the night of april twelfth we greatly deprecate so serious a breach of college discipline we desire to be as lenient with you as possible but it is our duty and wish to banish this class of offences from the college by any and every means in our power the judgment of the faculty is that your name be stricken from the list of competitors for the sophomore prize of the present year and that the competition for honors and prizes in your junior year be likewise closed to you it is accordingly so ordered and of this order you will please take notice yours with regret sydenham e mather president attest r e hagerman secretary parmenter laid the letter on his table and stared from his window across the fields the city and the distant river to the far-off western hills they were simply a dark uneven band against the sky from which the deepening twilight had brushed the last vestige of rose the punishment was severe enough in old conscience he could lay away the manuscript of his oration now or burn it up as he chose he would never need it he would indeed need nothing of the kind for two years two years of punishment and disgrace for an hour of silly revenge and doubtful fun to be cut off from the prize stage with the highest honor almost within his grasp it was hard it was terrible he had expected his mother and sister on at commencement to share in his success he would have to write to them now that they need not come worse than that he would have to tell them the reason why there were others too people in this city who knew of his hopes and ambitions in oratory he did not see how he could meet them now or speak to them on the subject another man would take his place on the stage for someone else there would be the golden opportunity the exhilaration of oratory the admiration of the crowd the ribbon bouquets the rolling applause the splendid triumph still he sat looking out upon the western sky one star was glowing in the clear expanse below the horizon there was nothing but darkness pricked here and there by the lights of far-off electric lamps 
At home there was a western porch where he had often sat with his mother and sister to watch just such an evening scene as this. His lips began to quiver, and his eyes to fill with tears. He turned back into the room, laid his head down on his bed, and gave way, for the first time in years, to a prolonged fit of weeping. But Parmenter's flood of tears had not the effect to clear his mental sky. When he awoke on the following morning, his heart was as hard and bitter toward Professor Lee as before, this feeling, strangely enough, still overshadowing his resentment against Van Loan. As for Charlie, Harmenter felt that it was all over between them now. The quarrel of the day before had settled that, and while, in his own mind, he knew that he had provoked it, yet Charlie had said some things in his anger which he could not forget. After the blow had fallen, Harmoner had not cared to leave his room until night, nor to converse with anybody, and he had not yet heard of Lee's confession. Coming back up the hill from a late breakfast that morning, and turning the corner of South College to go into the chapel, he saw a crowd of students at the bulletin board reading and discussing some notice posted thereon. He did not need to be told what it was. Instead of going to chapel, to be gazed at and commented on, he decided to pass directly to his room. When he was nearly across the campus, he met Robinson hurrying over to chapel exercises. The bell was already tolling the final strokes, but Robinson stopped to speak to him. Well, he said as if Parmenter already knew all about it, you and Charlie are cut. Charlie? exclaimed Parmenter in surprise. What's he cut for? Why, for the Van Loan business, you know. Same as you. And who gave him away? Haven't you heard? He went in before the faculty yesterday, after they got through with you, and accused himself. Made a clean breast of it, voluntarily. What do you think of that? Parmenter did not reply. He was too deeply moved to speak. Robinson went hurriedly on. Yes, Bessick and Ogdenburg are put on in your places. The rest of us are trembling in our shoes, though I don't know why we need to. You and Charlie won't give us away, and Van Loan can't. Say, Fred. Is there any doubt but what Van Loan broke his promise? Everybody thinks so. Oh, I don't know, and I don't care now, replied Parmenter impatiently. Robinson rattled on. I hear he denies it, but there was no other way for it to get out, and he's such an all-round liar you can't believe him. Say, Fred, when you're sure of it, just let us know, and if that freshman don't suffer for his perfidy, then— Oh, excuse me, there's the last bell. Robinson, who was an expert runner, shot across the campus and entered the chapel on the heels of the last group of attendants. Parmenter passed on wearily to his room, and so Charlie had confessed, and had been cut. Parmenter wondered what motive had prompted the confession. Was it weakness or bravery? Well, there was some satisfaction in knowing that he himself was not the only one to suffer. He did not know that he had much sympathy to waste on Charlie, after all. He was sure he had none for Charlie's father. He picked up a book and tried to study, but he read the pages over and over again, without remembering a word that was printed on them. Deep in his breast a voice kept saying, Poor Charlie! Poor Charlie! It aggravated him. He threw the book aside, put on his hat, and started for the city. At the college gate he came suddenly upon Lee, who was walking up alone. His hands were deep in his pockets. His gait was slow. His gaze was on the ground. 
when he looked up parmenter noticed that his face was pale and haggard and his eyes were bloodshot charlie's appearance indicated that he had passed a sleepless night he stopped when he saw parmenter and seemed about to speak but in a moment he changed his mind for when parmenter stopped in his turn ready to reply to any friendly word lee passed on without a nod or smile or any kindly look after that whenever the two young men met in the classroom on the campus or the street they had for each other nothing beyond the merest look of indifference the merest nod of recognition End of chapter four